everyone, and welcome to the Power Motor Yacht Podcast, your birth for the best stories in boating. Each week, my colleagues and I will bring you everything from salty stories to thought-provoking trend discussions, as well as interviews with the most interesting characters to ply the sea. Whether you're listening from the boatyard, your slip, or hopefully well underway, we're glad to have you aboard. All right. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Power Motor Yacht Podcast. We have a star-studded cast for you today, Senior Editor Simon Murray, Executive Editor Mr. Charlie Levine, and back from retirement, now heading up our B2B business book, Trade Only. Welcome back, Jeff Moser. Pleasure to be here, guys. What's up, fellas? That's nice to see you guys. Good to see you guys. So we're going to go, we got kind of an interesting one here for you today. This past week, we've been running a special report on the Power Motor Yacht website about kind of the, the current state of the boating industry. And uh, Jeff, we're glad to have you on here. We're, we're certainly stepping on your toes a little bit as we report on things like the outboard shortage and difficulty people are having in getting new boats because of different supply chain issues. I guess the important thing to preface is like why we're talking about this today. It comes down simply to these issues are affecting almost every level of boater, whether you're looking to get a repower, if you're waiting for service, you're trying to buy a new boat. A lot of people are being affected by these supply chain issues. So, you know, Jeff, maybe I'll just start off, kick it to you. Is there one root cause for this big supply chain issue we're seeing? Oh, I wish it were that easy, Dan. Um, you know, um, there's a delicate balance of global shipping. It's like a ballet, right? Mm. These products come in, products go out. The container ships go out full. They, mm-hmm. they empty out. They go back full. They go to the next port. Someone called it a perfect storm with um, mm-hmm. a shortage of shipping containers. Uh, now, uh, the, clo- the COVID-19 pandemic, um, mm-hmm. a massive surge in customer demand in boating, which is a great thing, and very unexpected polar vortex in Texas. Um, mm-hmm. These things combined to sort of upset you know, global trade. Right. I really like the perfect storm analogy. It's, it's one we, we stole too, because it, it does seem like there's so many forces working against the boating industry on top of a time where we're seeing an unprecedented boom. I guess I'll just kick it around the horn. Did you guys expect, now we're getting to God willing, post-pandemic boom to continue this long? Charlie, I'll, 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 put, you, I'll put you on the spot, Charlie. Well, I think the biggest thing is people are into boating. Like that's mm-hmm. really the number one cause. People want boats more now than ever. Mm-hmm. Yes, there was, you know, when when the COVID hit last year, a lot of factories sort of precaution to stop production or slow down, worried about their workers. And no, I, I don't think anyone saw how popular boating would become, but mm-hmm. it really is the great family activity. You can do it safely outside. Uh, so more and more folks wanted to get out on the water. And I think that's the number one thing is there's a surge. People want boats. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, all these other things have kind of conspired to work against the builders. But I think it's going to continue. People, I think the boating demand is here to stay. I think I think the, the demand is growing for good reason. I mean, boats are awesome. We all know that. Sold. So, <laughs> so it's unfortunate that these new boaters may be getting a bit of a sour taste in their mouth from this first initial mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. dipping their toes in. But I think with a little patience, they'll find it's well worth the wait. I think that's a really good point. And I guess if I were being honest with myself and to our millions of listeners around the world, 
I, I could see why the surge had last summer. You know, it's one of these great activities that we've always loved that you could do while social distancing. I, I guess I would have thought with the vaccine rollout and, and people able to travel a little bit more, I, I didn't think demand was going to continue to be quite as high, but I find it really heartening to see that maybe the pandemic reset some of our priorities. You know, maybe we're valuing time with friends and family a little higher than we were. I see a nice silver lining there for sure. And it really, it really feels like hopefully it's that boating bug. Like once you get addicted, you can't pull out mm-hmm. so easily. You don't get mm-hmm. to just enjoy other things anymore. Boating is your new interest. So hopefully they've all, uh, they've all got bitten. And uh, yeah, like Charlie said, and Dan said, it's here to, here to stay. It's, it's a really good point, Simon, because I think it is like no other activity. I mean, I don't have that many other hobbies. I don't like golf. I'm not a fly fisherman. Sorry, Charlie. I, I don't know who has the patience for that. But uh, it does seem like it's the kind of pastime or passion that becomes a life lifelong habit. But so let's let's dive a little more into some of these issues we're seeing. Charlie, I'm going to kick it to you with because you did some great reporting on the outboard shortage. Talk to all the major players. I guess what is the biggest cause of the shortage? Sure. So. You know, Yamaha, probably the leading Yamaha and Mercury and Suzuki, Mm -hmm. I'd say, are top three leading outboard manufacturers Mm -hmm. right now. So I talked to all three of them. Mercury, which is based in Wisconsin, does pretty much all of its manufacturing here in the United States. They have a bit of a leg up on the competition. You know, they basically said their forecasted orders are, quote, fine right Mm -hmm. now. While mm-hmm. new new orders coming in are a bit delayed because of the seasonality, you know, springtime, early summer is when demand spikes. People mm-hmm. try to jump in. Uh, Suzuki and Yamaha being over in Japan are facing a whole nother slew of obstacles that Jeff uh, touched on mm-hmm. with shipping. Mm-hmm. And uh, both companies said, you know, we're – we're working 24-7. They've got three shifts. Suzuki recently expanded their manufacturing, but they're having shipping issues. They're not getting enough containers. Mm-hmm. They're finding that boats aren't coming back to Japan at a, at a pace that they would like to see to get them out. Um, and, you know, I had a conversation with Gus Blakely at Suzuki, who's always really fun to talk to. He's been in the industry a long time and he's a super straight shooter. And he just said, you know, as fast as they come in, they go out. Mm -hmm. So he said one of Suzuki's growth strategies was to keep, you know, 5,000, 7,000 motors in stock. Mm -hmm. So if people couldn't get engines elsewhere, boom, they could deliver. And he said last time he looked, there was like 250 motors in his stock for Suzuki Marine USA. That's not like, that's what you would expect to hear a dealer in South Florida say, you know? So they're frustrated because a lot of it's out of their control and they, you know, they don't want to let down their customers. Mm -hmm. Uh, Scott Higgins, the man I spoke with at Yamaha, who is the supply chain manager, he had an interesting background because he's been in sales and a long, long time boater. And I could just hear the frustration in his voice. You know, I, to yeah. me, it seems like that feeling when you're stuck in traffic and you're just like about to bite your fingernails off and just because there's nothing you can do. And it's like, my car is not broken down. My tires are all, you know, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just out of their control. So they're just asking everyone to be patient. But I think for Yamaha, 
it's probably going to be until the end of this calendar year before they're really back to where they want to be. Wow. Charlie, that's a good point you make there um, about the availability. Now, did anyone indicate like, is it, is it there under 25 horsepower? Is it that mid range 250, 350 horsepower, or is it just all across the board shortages of every size? I think it's mostly across the board. I mean, the bulk there is sort of in the middle for most of the center consoles, you know, in that 20 foot range, you're looking yeah. at anywhere from probably 60 to 150 horsepower, probably the, the bread and butter of the line. But no, yeah. I called on a couple of dealers and there's one guy here in Florida where I live who deals mostly with skiffs and smaller boats. So he's in that 60 to 90 horsepower range. And he just said, I don't have any, I don't know when I'm going to get them. Like, leave me alone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, so there is a lot of frustration. And, you know, it's they don't have a timetable. I think everybody wants answers. Yeah. And it's hard for them because they're just – they're – their fingers are crossed tied. Right. What's the what's right. the expression I'm groping for here? <laughs> their hands, hands are tied. Their hands, hands are tied. tied. So I knew something was tied. It's, all fingers are tied too, I suppose. But it's <laughs> you know, it you are right. The million dollar question that everyone's asking, when are these engines gonna become available? And you know, I really feel for the smaller mom and pop marinas and boatyards that really kinda rely on the handful of repowers they have each year. We've We've seen it in our home port of Essex or even my small town up here in Portland, Connecticut, where, you know, a, a couple of repower projects are, are a major, major deal for them. So the frustration isn't completely unfounded. And it's parts too, which is unfortunate because now would be a great time to try to get that old outboard, you know, running real good and, and, and fixing it up and maybe even rebuilding it. But getting parts can be trouble too. There's probably some sources out there, I would think, on like eBay. If you have a popular motor, there's usually a lot of parts around. But but even that's constrained. So that's that's a good point. And you know, so all of this kind of begs the question: It's like, well, if some of these new boat builders of outboard powered boats are struggling and they're having some supply chain issues, you know, maybe these other builders, your sport fish builders, and some of your New England guys with traditional inboards, maybe they're seeing their day in the sun. But again, let's let's dive a little more into this Texas scenario. I never thought we'd be talking about weather in Texas, but I don't know, Jeff or Simon, if you know, what what is the scoop on this Texas polar vortex? You know, I, I spoke with a few builders and uh going off of trade only, uh Joe Healy did a great write up as well, but mm -hmm. on the supply mm -hmm. chain issues. But it just seems like a deep freeze came out of nowhere polar vortex, whatever you want to call it, uh, hit Texas back in February. That kind of shut down all the petroleum industry, which is the responsible for making resin, which uh, mm -hmm. is the integral part that, you know, is, is building the holes of the, of the boats that we all enjoy. Um, mm -hmm. So with that even shut down for, I, I don't know what you saw, Jeff, but I think it was only two weeks, three weeks at the most. Um, that really just ground a supply chain that was already, um, you know, bursting at the seams, trying to get this material, you know, delivered and on time to new owners and existing, you know, boaters that just ground it all to a halt, basically. Yeah. Yeah. What I don't. Yeah. What was really fascinating to me was 
again, Mid mentioned the delicate ballet that goes on with these with supply and demand, and you know these these refineries that got up and running again. They you know they had to fulfill the needs for you know say the airline industry, mm-hmm. and you know the, the the resin got kicked to the bottom. Resin might have been next in the line, but when that vortex hit, it was time to manufacture for another industry, and you know resin had to wait their turn and didn't you say uh tommy you said you talked to tommy thompson over at bircham and he had some um you know he was calling this stuff liquid gold and he said he had some boats waiting to go but he just couldn't finish them is that right yeah he did well you know him and then uh the ceo mark paulus uh mark paulus said that he's you know he's been in the industry for 30 years he said he's never seen anything like this Mm -hmm. uh bertram's fiberglass production manager at their facility in tampa bay also, never seen anything like this. Has been in, in the industry for a long time, uh, but yeah, t- you know, to your point, Tommy was saying, you know, that they're waiting on resin to build, um, you know, to have these boats that are just sitting there. And uh, to your point before, or your question before, Jeff, when you were asking, you know, were the were the lower horsepower outboards being affected more so, or maybe less than the you know mid range or even the higher for boating? It seems like the larger sport fish or even just the larger yachts are actually better off for some builders because they've been in production for a while. These things take a longer time to produce. So they, they have the resin available. What Tommy was saying was that the, you know, the resin is bigger for them right now, the lack of resin uh, to build out their, you know, their smaller center consoles that they're just trying to get out there and really build up right now. Um, That's what they're seeing a problem in. And so they just have this boat sitting there waiting for resin. And I think Tommy said it was sometime in June. They, they usually, you know, the worst case scenario is it might be backed up a week or two. This time they're seeing it months out the line, you know, months waiting for this stuff. So they're in a tough place right now. And it's not just resin. It's it's all, you know, plastic products, petroleum-based products. And foam has become another hot commodity. Foam for cushions and flotation uh that's been very hard to come by because also the automotive industry uses that stuff too so i think we're all learning the the fragile nature of these things it's people need these products and you don't realize it until it's like oh crap you can't get it Mm -hmm. yeah to that point i think the wildest thing i saw from talking to these guys and also from uh, i think joe reported on this as well is that you know, these big players in the, in the boat building industry have actually resorted to, you know, trading and uh, bartering like it's the wild west, which is you know, kind of blows your mind. And, and I don't know, I mean, maybe that goes on in other, in other industries, but I doubt it. I think it's got something yeah. to do with, you know, the very small niche that we've mm-hmm. all found our way oh, yeah. into. You're not going to hear Chevy calling up Ford saying they have, you know, 600,000 uh, bucket seats or something like that. But yeah, I would say that's true. I, you know, trading things like Marine heads and foam, we need foam. And uh, you guys have any stainless steel hatches? Cause we're short on those. Um, it just does speak to the nature of this industry quite well. It's I, I love hearing, hearing those stories. And it's, this isn't the first time we've heard stories like this, whether it's hurricanes, you know, hitting the Carolinas and different builders banding together to, you know, make sure all the boats are protected. It, it really, hearing stories like that really remind me of how special this industry is. And it's kind of that boating ethos too, where, you know, someone's stranded or someone's in distress, you you step up and help them if you can. 
So that's uh, that's just been a really cool story. And it's nice to see too. Like the cynic would probably say, you know, that that exists when you know in that situation when you really mm-hmm. have to help that person, and it's mm-hmm. you know it's a beautiful thing. But a, a cynical outlook would be that these you know multi million dollar manufacturers, you know, don't really give a damn about the other guy. But it's nice to see that that does work its way up the the line as well. That's that's well said. And you know, Jeff, I like how you keep calling this the uh, the supply chain ballet. But you know, one thing I think it's worth touching on, and your reporting revealed that it's the surging demand for cars, trucks, bikes, and all these other you know commodities that are affecting boating as well. Yeah, I shared a, a, a sob story to you guys earlier off, off, offline about a, a part I'm waiting for for my road bike and. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I'm going to get it. And it, it, it's an integral part that I, I can't use the bike without. So I have to, uh, you know, I'm good. This was you know, just yesterday that I had a failure of something, but I'm going to give it a few days. And if, if it doesn't arrive, you know, I'm going to have to think of something else. So, I mean, that's on a, that's a microcosm of what's happening, but you know, I've heard the same thing from automotive manufacturers where, you know, they're shipping out F one fifties without, um, certain parts because this is the semiconductor shortage is that um, rampant. And this is so much demand, you know, in the automotive market as well, that they have to make those kind of moves, you know, mm-hmm. but I mean, it just speaks to surging demand all across the board. And, um, you know, coming out of coming out of last year at this time, last year, we were all basically, um, you know, hold up in our homes and not knowing what the next day was going to bring. And, you know, the sun's shining a little bit differently now and we're hopefully approaching, like you said, a post-pandemic America. And mm-hmm. let's see what's going to happen with that. You know, these issues are ironing themselves out. Um, mm-hmm. I've seen less of it. And in, in, um, uh, like, say, I set up a Google alert for this. I've seen mm-hmm. less in my Google alerts about shipping shortages and container problems and things in the last two weeks than I did, you know, in the last month. So that's good. It seems to be... The balance is getting back, but it's going to take a little while. Right, right. And, well, Jeff, I think I think you're heading us in a good direction to kind of wrap up this conversation. Is while there's definitely some very real frustration out there with people who expected to have their new boat, people who expected to have their boat repowered, people that wanted you know certain service done. But I think it's important for everyone to remember where we were a year ago and. You know, you just go back and, and look at the headlines and look where we were. It, it, it kind of makes you think, while these are all real problems, I suppose that you can't get your new boat on time is probably a good problem to have. And uh, I think you know, there's a lot to be excited about, especially as a, as a boating journalist looking at all the new boats that are coming out, reporting on things like the, the new Mercury that Charlie covered. There's a lot of people that are coming into the industry that are getting into the sport. There's a lot to cover. There's a lot to report on. I just think we got to remind ourselves to be patient once in a while. Yeah. And it's going to be a really good boat when you get it. True. <laughs> With a joystick and all kinds of fun stuff. That's yeah. it. That's it. Always, and, always worth the wait. And, and, you know, like boats and engines that are being built today are just an order of magnitude better, safer, more reliable than they mm-hmm. were, you know, mm-hmm. just probably a decade ago. So you're, you're getting something that is the quality control across nearly all manufacturers are, are, is, is quite good. Mm-hmm. Now, it's, uh, 
It's a good point. And, you know, on that note, guys, I hope, uh, hope we can continue this conversation and on a boat ride of our own sometime soon. It's been a while. Yep. Where, where are we meeting? A- anywhere. I'm ready. I'm ready to go. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, well, thanks. Thanks for all the, the good reporting. You can find more on these supply chain issues at powermotoryacht.com. And Jeff? Tradeonlytoday.com. Thanks, Dan. Nailed it. All right. Well, thanks, guys. And until next time, we'll see you out on the water. All right. Thanks, guys. See you guys. See you guys. Bye. All right. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Power Motor Yacht Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please do us a favor and leave us a review or rating. Or you share us with your friends on social media or on the VHF. Anywhere you spread the word means a lot to us. Thanks again, and until next time, we'll see you on the water.